and we're going to look at Christ's promises to the faithful church. And I think this is very important for us because I believe this church is really uh, pointing at the day and age in which we live right now. Right before the last church, the seventh church, which is the church of Laodicea, and that is really the backslidden uh, dead church uh, that... Um, really is not following the Lord, and that'll be the church that'll be occurring during the tribulation time. And uh, I don't want that to be uh, indicative of what we're about. I want uh, our church to be like the church of Philadelphia, amen, and to be a simple church, a church with no strength, but yet the Lord says, I'll open the doors for you, I'll shut the doors for you. You don't need, you don't need a lot of strength for that, you just need to trust me, amen. And we looked at that last week, how that they were supposed to keep his word, and how they kept it, and that's why he opened doors for them, and how they didn't deny his name, and that's why he opened doors for them. So in in chapter 3, we're going to look at uh, verse number 7 down to verse number 11, and it says, To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works, behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews, and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee, because thou hast kept the word of my patience. I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world, to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly, hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Amen. Father, I ask you, Lord, that you would just give me wisdom to communicate these truths to the folks tonight. Lord, I need your Spirit for that. Lord, that you would give me the words, but you'd give us also the ears tonight. And Lord, you said, if we have ears, let us hear. And I pray that all of us here would turn on our spiritual ears tonight and hear what you have for this church. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so looking at Christ's promises to the faithful church, the first thing I see here in, re- in regards to this church and what he's promising them, he's promising, he says, Jesus will deal with the enemies of the faithful church. That's the promise. Jesus will deal with the enemies of the faithful church. And folks, if we're going to be a faithful church and walk after the Lord and preach the true gospel, amen. We got to protect it fiercely, but yet at the same time, we need to understand that people will rise up against it. They don't like this. Uh, Folks, I have not come to this place expecting that nobody is going to oppose the message that we preach, amen. And I've had several oppositions already in the two years that I've been here, and I'll have more. There's oppositions on all kinds of subjects, but one of them is uh, the subject of losing salvation. That's a different gospel, my friend. I mean, you start talking losing your salvation, you're talking about how that Jesus is not sufficient to pay for your sins. That's another gospel, amen? 
And I, we got to fight stuff like that. And I'm sorry if you don't like that, but that's just the way it's got to be. Amen? Yeah. And people will rise up against us in regards to that. Some people need to be taught. They've been brought up in these systems, and they need help to understand, and that's wonderful, and we'll help them. And I've seen folks, I've come from an area back home where I've seen hundreds of people come from that type of teaching to take on what the Bible really says, that Christ is sufficient for salvation. Amen? But folks, there are those out there that will dig their heels in and they will turn against the gospel. And those are the ones that become the enemy of the cross. And I hope that, folks, you don't know anybody like that. Amen. But they are definitely out there. Uh, I've entitled this first point underneath Jesus dealing with the enemies, the villains of the church. <laughs> the villains. And folks, here it's talking, of course, of the synagogue of Satan. It says, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. These were the religious zealots of the day. These are the ones that people look at and say, boy, these guys are the ones that follow God. But these same ones that everybody says follows God are really the enemies of the true church of Jesus Christ. And that was the truth of that day. And that was something that these small churches were suffering at the hands of these powerful individuals. And they had power. They had connections within government. They had people on thrones and so forth. And they could get basically do what they wanted to do. And they would make mincemeat of these little churches. Amen. But Jesus said, hey, don't worry about it. He says, uh, I'll, I'll show them something. And folks, you need to understand that. There are enemies that will rise up against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and the message we have. But folks, that is not the end of the story. The Lord will vindicate us. Amen. But there will be villains. You can be sure of that. The Jews in John 1 11 says he came unto his own and his own received him not. Here's the very Messiah that they believed was coming and they rejected the one because they got so used to the power and prestige and, and everything they wanted to accomplish. They really didn't want what they said they were actually following. Amen. And I'll tell you something, that's in our Christianity today too. And people like that do become the enemy of the church. And yet they talk about Jesus. <laughs> but the Bible says they preach another Jesus unto you. Amen. Be very careful in the world in which we live today. We need to keep our message true and keep it pure. The Bible says in Philippians 3.18, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Amen. Their, their, their heart is on the things down here, not on the things up there. They got no problem causing problems. They got no problem setting, uh, causing division and coming to the church and causing you issues. Folks, if you think that we're going to go through this ex existence as a local New Testament church and not have people coming in trying to divide the church, uh, you're deceived. It, it will happen. That's where you have to be ready and understand there are enemies. There are enemies of the cross. There are those that do teach their own doctrine. They'll come in and they'll say things. Uh, folks, I've had people come to me and they say, well, what about this? And they start coming to church. Folks, uh, I, I'm not interested in having people come here to cause problems. This isn't, the, I, I'm, not, I'm not grabbing people and saying, oh, come to our church, come to our church. Folks, it's a privilege to be in the house of God. You should thank God that you can come and sit underneath the preaching of the word of God. But today we're seeker sensitive. 
we're seeker sensitive. Preachers are compromising and they're doing all kinds of things and opening coffee shops to draw people in because they want to just get people, people. Folks, it's not about that type of thing. It's about the word of God. It's about the truth. Yeah. If we're going to get people walking in the doors, we ought to, we got to have a message ready for them. And that message ought to be unadulterated and perfect. Amen. Never compromise for the seeker sensitive crowd. <laughs> Folks, they say amen. But as soon as you don't want to give them their music, they walk out the door. That's what I'm saying. Folks, they'll exchange a Christian contemporary rock band for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the kind of society we live in. That's the kind of Christendom we live in. God help us. Seeker sensitive. Amen. Well, you got to do this for me. No, this is the house of God. You follow, you submit to the things of God. You find it a privilege to be under the preaching of the word of God. Folks, this isn't about you getting your ear tickled. The Bible says that will be the mark of the last day. And he says, preach the word in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but they will heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears. Oh, preacher, come tickle me. No! You don't need the tickling of an ear. You need the word of God in your heart. Amen? And this church ought to be filled with people that are ready to give the message of the pure word of God. No matter what the cost may be, folks, do it wisely, (laughs) but do it. Give out the scriptures, amen? Talk about Jesus. There's an enemy of the cross. But folks, be careful who you call an enemy. (laughs) I thought I'd have to put in this caveat as I'm talking about this in 2 Thessalonians 3.13. It says, but ye brethren... Be not weary in well-doing. If any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Amen? You got to remember something. There are people that just do wrong. They're foolish. <laughs> Amen. You'll have people in here, they'll do, you'll have the word of God say directly, this is what you ought not do, and yet they're going to do it. But the Bible says, don't count them an enemy. Admonish them. But it also says, don't go hang around with them. They want to go live in sin. Folks, the Bible tells you plainly not to be, have company with a person like that, that knows what the word of God says, and yet they turn their back on it. But they need admonishment. What that means is they need the people of God, not just the preacher, by the way. <laughs> I, I'm enough of a lightning rod in the church, amen? You, you could take some of the strikes too, amen? <laughs> but you know what you need to do is, is go to that person and say, hey, I just want to tell you, I, I've noticed you've been doing this, and that's going to hurt the cause of Christ. And you're sinning. You're sinning against God. And I love you. And I don't want to see your life destroyed, amen? <laughs> and so that's admonishing. That's, that's counting that person as a brother, but yet saying, I can't have a part of that, but I've got to tell you something. This isn't right. This isn't right. I know it's the hardest thing to do in the day and age in which we live to actually confront somebody about the sin in their life. But you know what the Bible tells we ought to? We ought to do it. We ought to do it wisely. We ought, oh, but you know what we do first is we tell everybody else. <laughs> tell everybody else first. And then, well, maybe we'll go to that person after everybody else knows. <laughs> no. 
You see somebody doing wrong, you keep it private. And you go to that person, you get them straight, because they might just get straight by you telling them. They might just give themselves a shake, amen? And then if they don't, then you may need to bring in some reinforcements to help. Let's be careful. So let's, there are enemies out there, and sometimes I even have a problem uh, discerning who's an enemy and who's not. Because someone comes in here and they cause problems in the church. I'm saying, is this just a foolish person or is it the devil got this person's heart? Either way, that's got to be exposed. Amen. The Bible says sowing discord among the brethren is an abomination to God. We've got to be careful how we treat the families of this church. Amen. Stay positive. Don't let the spirit of criticism come in your heart. When you start that, you are on a wrong road. And you know what? You're further down that road than you think. You really are. And you got to stop it. you got to stop it. Well, so what? Your preacher may preach a little long. Amen? <laughs> Your preacher may do this, that, or that. Hey, give the guy a break. Give him a break. It's not easy. They put up a lot of stuff, pastors and preachers out there. Amen? They are the lightning rod. They get hit all the time. <laughs> give them a break. They don't need the people of God hitting their own shepherd. You know what I mean? There's enough out there. But let's stay true to the word of God. Let's help people. But let's make sure that when there's an enemy about, we keep our eyes open. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And I've had several situations where I had people come to me and they started giving me some false doctrine. And they came to this church and and I came to my attention. And instead of just, oh, do you just come anyways? I said, no, no, no. I'm not acknowledging what you're saying there. (laughs) I'm not... Uh, I'm not seeker sensitive here. I don't, I don't just need numbers in the pew. I've got a flock here I'm trying to protect. And I've had people say, well, you know, people don't like me and they, I've caused problems in the church. Can I come? I says, you come, but if you do wrong, I'm going to deal with you. You try to hurt my people. And I will confront you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And folks, that's what a shepherd needs to do. <laughs> that's why in, the, in Psalm 23, thy rod and thy staff, they covered me. Amen? There's a rod, and that rod would have a staff on it for hooking on to the, the sheep and pulling them out of the ditch and out of the thorns and so forth. But it also have something on the other end. It was like a ball, and they would actually, they would actually uh, put glass and different things on there when the wolves come. And the sheep saw that little, that little thing on the end of the staff with all the sharp objects, and that sheep is saying, that comforts me. <laughs> that comforts me. I know that someone comes in here, they're not just going to walk over all my children and hurt my kids. And, and so we, we got someone watching over, amen? I mean, we got the Lord, but man, we've got to take this personal. <laughs> we've got to deal with it. And so there are enemies in the church. And these churches, I just couldn't imagine, where you've got no credibility in the, in the community. You've got nobody standing on your side. You've got the re- religious zealots of the day with all the power that can do whatever they want. They can make up stories about you. They can hurt your reputation. These days, you've got Facebook, you've got this, you've got that, and they can put whatever garbage they want out there. I sure hope the people of God got more discernment. Amen? That's not how you deal with problems. In fact, the first time you see somebody doing something like that to get at somebody in the church, you can tell right away, this person's not right with God. That's your first deduction (laughs) because they're not following Scripture. If you got a problem, you go to that one. You deal with it. Amen? 
But not just throw things out into the world to destroy somebody's reputation or hurt somebody. You don't do that. That's wicked. So the Lord will vindicate the faithful church. That's why like in Psalm 23 verse 5 it says, Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. He says, I'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. <laughs> Boy, the Lord is good. Amen. He says, I, I, don't even, I want them to see this. I don't want them to get rid I want them to see what I'm going to do for you. And that's exactly what he said to this church. He says, I will make them come and worship before thy feet. He didn't say worship us. Just we're going to see them worship before our feet. Amen. And you know what the Bible says uh, back in uh, Romans 14, 11, for it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. I don't care what kind of enemies they are. They are all going to bow down to Christ. And Jesus says this. He says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you as my bride. I'm going to have you hanging around me. And when those enemies come before me and bow, you're going to be standing there watching it. Those enemies that tried to destroy you and your family, those enemies that, that tore you down and tried to ruin your reputation, you're going to watch them bow before me. Amen. Wow, that's powerful. Folks, we will be vindicated. Our enemies will also know the love that Christ has for us. And he says, and to know that I have loved thee. See, nowadays, oh, that little church, who are they anyways? <laughs> you know who we are? We're the ones that Jesus loves. That's who we are. Folks, if that's all you could ever tell somebody, that should be the most powerful statement that you would ever be able to tell somebody. I am the one that Jesus loves. And the Bible says in John 17, in his, in his prayer to the Father, it says in verse 22, And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved me as thou hast loved me, or loved them as thou hast loved me. He says, I want them to know that you love them. And I want you to know, I want everybody to know that you love these people like you love your very son. That's powerful, amen? <laughs> Do you understand the love that God has for you? There's no greater message for me to tell somebody and tell them, you know what, I know, I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know what you're doing or where you've come from or what, what your problems are. But I can tell you this, that God loves you. He loves you. And I can truthfully say that upon the authority of the word of God. And you know what? That love makes a way for you to have salvation. Amen. You know, the first thing that Jesus promises to us, he says, I will deal with your enemies. Don't worry about getting out there. You know, folks, if I was going to go straighten out every false church in this town, I'd be busy all week long. Can't do that. I remember back home, there was, uh, we own a, uh, a development, a housing development that we had put together many, many years ago and filled it up with uh, modular homes and how that they were the Jehovah's Witnesses started to go through and knock on doors. And so one of the concepts was, because we were the private owners of this property, is to say, well, let's just make a policy that they can't be in there. And I opposed that. 
I'm going to tell you why. Because it didn't take long. We had people in there, the United Pentecostal people that believe in a false gospel. You know what they began to say? Yeah, and, and when are we going to make one for the Baptists? I'm going to tell you something. I'd much rather have opportunity to give the gospel to somebody, even if the Jehovah's Witness are, are tailing me, than to shut that door to the gospel altogether. That's what freedom of religion is about, by the way. <laughs> Amen. I don't need to shut down the Jehovah's Witnesses. I just need to preach the word of God. I have with me the Holy Spirit of God. I've got the love of God on my life. I've got everything I need to be the most powerful witness that I can be. And there's no Jehovah's Witness, Mormon, uh, or false believer that can overcome that. In fact, when Stephen stood up in front of the Pharisees and began to teach, the Bible says they couldn't resist the wisdom of God. There's something that happens when a child of God, with the wisdom of God, preaches the word of God. And the Jehovah's Witness could only wish that they would have that. I say, let them all go. But I say, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Let's tell them, amen. Yeah. And I'll tell you something, the Holy Spirit of God, we've got a little bit up on this because the Holy Spirit of God is already doing a lot of this work before we get there. <laughs> and we've seen that so many times, even since we've been here. Second promise, Jesus will keep the faithful church from the tribulation. It says in verse 10, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. This is the promise that Jesus had mentioned before when he was yet in his earthly ministry. It says in John 14, verse 1, or after his resurrection, before his ascension, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Amen. He's just reiterating a promise he's already made to the church. He's saying, I'll keep you from that. I'll come and get you. Don't worry about that. It says, let not your heart be troubled. Amen. I tell you, the day and age in which we live, I haven't seen so many Christians that have actually doubted the fact that Jesus Christ will come and deliver them. <laughs> well, you know, the Antichrist, <laughs> I, I know that I've studied the Antichrist. I know what he's all about, but he doesn't scare me one lick. And I'll tell you why. I'm not going to be here to see what he does. Amen. All I know about his life is what I read in the Bible. And that's all I'm ever going to know until I'm up in glory. And then I'll hear the news through the, you know, whatever, the gospel herald. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> But I'm not going to be there to find out. And nor will you. Because the Bible says that he's going to keep you from that hour. Amen. Yeah. That hour where he's going to try all the people of the earth. The Bible says, he says, I will keep you. Keep means to guard. Aren't you glad you got a guard? Jesus Christ is the church's guard. He's the believer's guard. It means to guard, to keep watch, to set his eye upon. He says, I'll keep you. I'll, I'll guard you. Don't you worry about it. Amen. And in Psalm 34, verse 15 says, The eye of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his, and his ears are open unto their cry. His eyes are over you every day. I know you're hearing Trudeau say this. Trudeau is nothing in God's sight. He's a little man, but God is great. God is great. Don't worry about the things he says. Our God has given us promises that way outweigh 
any word of any ruler of this whole planet. Amen? Even if he were the Antichrist himself, we've got promises. And we've got, an, we've got eyes over us. Eyes over the righteous. Don't worry. Keep doing the work of God. Keep moving forward for him. And you know what? Things may get worse and they'll continue to get worse until Jesus comes. But all I know is his eyes are over me and he's going to keep me from the hour. Amen? What a great promise. What a great comfort that should be to us. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4.18. The hour is a period of time. We know that period of time. It's a time of Jacob's trouble. The Bible talks about the time of the indignation. The time where God will bring judgment upon this world. Not upon the church. The church's judgment was taken care of 2,000 years ago on the body of his son. The wrath has already been experienced by you and I. Except we didn't feel a lick of it. We didn't feel one touch of it. Jesus Christ felt it all for us. Amen. Yet we were there and we were in him. And we were buried with him and rose with him. And yet we did it without one bit of pain. (laughs) He took all that pain upon himself for us. Amen. That judgment, my friend, is the worst judgment you could ever imagine. Do you understand that all the judgments of the tribulation doesn't come near to what Jesus went through for you? And yet you've gone through that judgment already in Christ. His death is now your death. His burial is now your burial. And his resurrection is now your resurrection. Amen. What a great truth that is. Wow. That is such security in that. The hour of temptation. Temptation is a trial. It's a being put to the test. And this world will be put to the test. Not to see if they'll pass because he knows they won't. But he wants to show us. Do you understand how much of this whole world history is about revealing to us the depravity of mankind? Do you understand that throughout the millennial reign, there's still going to be sinners on the earth? Yet the Lord is going to take to himself and and bring these powers under his subjection one at a time. He's even going to tame the very nature of, of animals where the wolves will lie down with the lambs. And he'll show us, he'll say, see what I can do? I can tame the wolf. See what I can do? I can bring long life. See what I can do? I can bring you comfort. I can bring you all these things. And for a thousand years, he's going to prove to this earth how great a king he is. And at the end of that thousand years, wicked mankind will still try to stand up against this good king. Yet he brought all these things under his power, little at a time, just to show us. Just to show us. Amen? And then with one word, they'll be gone. Oh, that mighty army. He says, gather yourselves. Come on, boys. Give it your best shot. And they'll pull all those kings together at the end of the thousand years. And they'll bring all these nations together. And they'll think they're quite something with all the different things that they have to fight with. And they're going to think they really got a head, a head up on Christ here. But they'll get close to that city. They'll say, ready, boys. And before they say, boys, a fire comes and they're gone. There's not one saint that'll have to raise a sword. There's not one person that'll have to give a trumpet shout because he wouldn't have time to. The Lord is just going to say, bye-bye. And that will be the final straw. Then the Bible says that the great throne will come down from heaven and he'll call up the dead from hell and all those in the, in the sea and there'll be a great judgment of sin. He says, let me defeat this final enemy. For a thousand years I've shown you I can 
overcome all. Let me show you the final defeat of sin on mankind. And the Bible says all those that did not receive Christ will be cast into the lake of fire. Every last one of them. Then the Bible says he'll come to us and he'll wipe away our tears. And it'll all be over. Hey, man. Oh, the perfect age. That's what we call it. The age that I wish I could understand, but no, I can't. It's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Heaven will not be up there anymore. It won't be, well, I wish I could go there. Heaven will be right beside you all the time, every day of every hour. Amen. When that city comes down out of heaven, heaven's going to join with a new earth. And we'll have a new earth at the same time we'll be in heaven. Amen. That will be a good time, my friends. You talk about exploration. You got the great explorers of this world. You wait till that world comes. He's going to say, come on, boys, go explore what I've made for you. Hey, guys, go enjoy yourself. Hey, man, go love what I've done for you. And you'll be rejoicing and you'll be at peace with God. And there'll be no more sin. There'll be no more arguments. There'll be nothing like that. You'll just enjoy eternity forever and what God has given you. Oh, that stuff is available to us today in many ways in our hearts. Amen. The hour of temptation that shall come upon the world. The tribulation is the only time biblically that the whole world will fall under the judgment and proving of God. The whole world. Everybody. Nobody will escape that. No matter who you are in this world, there's somebody that did not have to experience World War I. There's somebody that didn't have to experience World War II, though they say it's World War. There was somebody enjoying themselves during that time. Amen. But I'll tell you something, during the tribulation time, there will be no rest for any man or woman upon this planet. They will all feel the judgment, the proving of God. No escape. The Bible says in Revelation 6, verse 15, And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to stand? Oh, they'll hide in the dens. They'll hide in the caves. Oh, just crush us already. Just kill us already. We're tired of this. And they knew who was on the throne, yet they didn't go out and say, Lord, forgive me. They would not repent. And the Bible says in Revelation 16, verse 8, And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, And the power is given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues. And they repented not to give him glory. That's the kind of world it's going to be. Oh, I can see the makings of that today. You can see it all around. (laughs) But there's a God in heaven. You know what? These people probably have more truth than the people that are today. Because they knew, they even blasphemed the name of God. They knew who was putting him through this. And yet they said, I will not repent. You know what really gets me? That there's a group of people that will worship the Antichrist. The Bible says that their names were blotted out of the book before the foundation of the world. 
my thought is this. Are those people alive today in this wicked world pulling the strings and doing the ungodly things that you see on the news? Are these the people that have already been blotted out that will one day bow down and worship the Antichrist? They may be. We may be in that generation. But all I know is I'm not one of them. (laughs) Oh man, I've turned my heart to God. That one on the throne, that great God of heaven, Jesus Christ, he is my king. And I don't care what you got to say about it. He is my king. And I'll tell you something. If you will not bow today and make him your king and treat him like your king and submit like he's your king, there will be a day where you will bow before him and he will be your king. Amen. I would rather do that by faith where there's rewards that come to you and the blessings out of just believing him. Blessed are they that hear and believe without seeing, he says. Blessed are they. I want to be one of those blessed. Not when all the trouble rises, not when the things come, not when, the, when I see God, then I'm, okay, Lord, I, I give up now. It's too late now. <laughs> Do it now. <laughs> Surrender now. Give him your life today, not tomorrow. Don't wait for everything. Oh, well, now I really believe it's real. It is real. You don't have to look too far in this world. You see it all around us. <laughs> it's coming. But there's a Lord has got his eye upon you and his eyes are over you bow to him <laughs> he's your king you know what a king does he protects his people he takes care of his people he provides for his people amen submit to him he will keep you from that hour of temptation and folks i'm going to tell you something the church whoever is born again whoever has trusted christ They will not go through the tribulation time. There is a pre-tribulation rapture. That is before the tribulation begins. We will be called up together. We will not have to experience the judgment that comes upon Israel that has been preordained, nor upon the earth where all men will be tried. Our judgment was taken care of 2,000 years ago on the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There is no more condemnation for you. That is a comfort. Amen. Now it's just about rewards. What are you going to do for him? How can he bless you? How can he give you the reward that he wants to give you when he sees you? And that's why we're going to go next here, how that Jesus will reward the faithful church. This is another promise. Notice what he says here in verse 11. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Amen. Do you understand that there is rewards waiting for you? That he has detailed your life and he has planned your life in such a way where he says, there are certain crowns that I have for your life. And if you will submit to me, I will make sure that when you come to glory, you're going to get every bit that I had promised. That's what the Lord says. You know what he said to this church? He said, there's hard times down there. You got a lot of enemies around you. But he encouraged them. He said, hey, hold fast. He said, uh, says, behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast. That means they've already been serving God. They've already been suffering for him. They've already been giving their lives. And and the Lord says, hey, there's some crowns I've got for you right now. If I would meet you right now, this would be yours. But hold on fast, he says, because there's a lot of pressure down there. It's not about how you start. It's how you end. Apostle Paul goes on in this same passage. 
and says, uh, he says, I've, I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. Can you imagine a man like that meeting the Lord, knowing that he's done everything that God's asked him to do? And the Lord just saying, well done, Paul. Well done. I know that was hard. He'd draw him close. Paul, come here. A lifetime of suffering. Look at your body, how broken it was. Look at how they hurt you. But you're with me now, Paul. It's okay. And look what I have for you. These are your rewards for being faithful to me. And Paul would say, you know what? You keep the rewards. I'm not worthy. I'm just happy to be here with you, Jesus. Oh, that we would have a heart like the Apostle Paul. Jesus will reward the faithful church. If we are careless, we will lose our rewards. In 2 John verse 8, Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Amen. Folks, I don't know about you. I've been in the ministry now going on 20 years or so, maybe a little bit before that. And then there's a lot of things I've had to do. There's a lot of things I've had to go through. I surely at the end of my ministry experience wouldn't want to lose everything that I've tried to accomplish. Amen. Oh, Lord, help me to hold fast. Help me not to be, to fall to this movement of criticizing the church and dividing the church and attacking the church. Let me not give my ear to these people that want to just talk down about the things of God and not surrender. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. People come to you and say, oh, those people, they don't know how to sow in. Let me ask, you ask them this. What are you doing? I'm going to tell you. Anybody that criticizes anything that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ does will usually be the same person that is doing nothing for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the reason why they talk about it. Because they want to bring you down to the same level. They've already given up what they had. And they want you to lose the same thing. Bring you down to the same level. Don't do it. You just turn around and say, hey... I'm just glad we do something for God. And we'll keep doing more. Hey, if there's something better we can do, let us know. Come and help us, please. That's a good one for him. Man, you seem to be an authority on this. We could really use your help. (laughs) I don't got the time. Now, of course you don't. Because you're a convenient servant. Convenient servant. I'll serve God when it's convenient for me. I'll serve God when I got the money to serve God. I'll serve God when I got the time. Hey, I got money. Hey, I got to put the food on the table now. No, you don't. He says, take no thought for your life. Seek those things which are above. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. Oh, I'll tell you. You're getting me off on here, guys. Don't make me preach so much, okay? Anyway, we'll move on. <laughs> we need to respond right to persecution. We need to respond right to these people that, that do turn against you. And the Bible says in Matthew 5, 11, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Not for your sake, amen? <laughs> Not when you deserve it. But when it's against him because you're doing right and you're wanting to do right. He says, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, 
For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Amen. I mean, it's going to happen. Let's not have a pity party over it. In fact, the Bible says rejoice. Rejoice. In fact, I would wonder if there is no opposition, whether we're really doing things right here. I mean, I would think that if we're doing right here and the devil would look down at Airdrie and he's looking for a target, he'd be aiming right tonight at this church. It better be that way. You can't, you can't tell me he doesn't know who's doing the work or not. He's not putting pressure on people that aren't doing anything, anything for God. <laughs> he's not putting pressure on people that aren't uh, sacrificing and giving their time to go give people the gospel. He sees your heart and wanting to tell people about Jesus Christ. He's going to put his target on you. The Bible says rejoice. Rejoice. Great is your reward. Jesus will also honor the faithful church. Notice what it says here. He that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from God, and I will write upon him my new name. Revelation I'm going to have to look this up here real quick. I finished my notes this afternoon. And I realized just now they didn't, sync, they didn't sync up on this last point. iPads, amen. But here in Revelation chapter 21, I want to point something out to you in verse number 22. So he says, he's going to make you a pillar in the temple. Now, let me ask you this. Where's the temple? Where is the temple? Because to me, I'm thinking, why would I want to be a standing like a pillar in a room? <laughs> you know, that's not what he's saying here, by the way. In fact, you read Revelation 21, verse 22. This is what the temple is going to be. And this is John looking at the city coming down from heaven, this new Jerusalem. And this is what it says. And I saw no temple therein for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. <laughs> He's not talking about a building here. He's not talking about four walls making a room. He's talking about the presence of God. He says, I want to make you a pillar in the presence, in my presence. And notice what it says there. He says, and he shall go no more out. Every overcomer that has trusted Christ as their Savior has now became a, become a, a permanent fixture in the temple of our God. That's an overcomer. An overcomer isn't someone that does great things for God. An overcomer is trusting the great one. <laughs> Amen. An overcomer in 1 John chapter 4 says, those that believe that Jesus is the Christ will overcome the world. Amen. Those are the overcomers. And the Bible says you'll be a pillar in the temple. And you shall no more go out. And I thought about this in relation to the church at Philadelphia. Now, in Turkey, in this particular area, they were known for one thing, and that's earthquakes. In fact, there was a great earthquake just after the time of Christ where the emperor had to send great relief just to rebuild the city because it destroyed so much. The pillars that they'd make in their temples would be about five feet wide because of the 
shock of earthquakes that would constantly happen. They'd, they'd build their buildings in relation to the earthquakes that would take place. And so he's giving them something visual to look at. And when an earthquake came, people would be in these buildings. Now, let me ask you this. Where would you go if the earthquake would come and you're inside of a stone building with a stone roof? Where would you go? Pillar. Sorry? The pillar. The pillar. That's not bad. But you know, I, I was at a, uh, when I was in Israel, I looked at this city that an earthquake hit. And we walked through, we took some pictures. You were there, Rob, remember? Remember how they showed us that one pillar and they said they found bones underneath the pillar? So someone was running <laughs> away and the pillar fell on them. So this pillar that was supposed to support the building became really the thing that killed the people. And so when he says, go no more out, I'll tell you what I would do if I was in a stone building and an earthquake would be there. I would run out. I would run out of the building. Because I'd say, I don't want a stone slab on my head. I'd rather be out in the street than in a stone building. Wouldn't you? <laughs> That's just wisdom, right? Jesus says to them, you'll be a pillar in my temple and you will no longer go out. Nothing's going to take you away from me. You have security. You have peace. You have confidence. There's nothing that's going to make you leave this temple. Amen. You talk about eternal security. And you know what I believe? That I'm already that pillar in that temple. I just haven't had all the names written on me yet. <laughs> I don't know those names yet. But the Bible says there will be a day where he will write those names on me. Amen. What a wonderful truth that is. What a great truth that is. And it says, I'll write upon him the name of my God. This is the name of the God that's gotten you into all this trouble all these years. On the job, when you start making a decision that I got to do right here instead of going along with the flow, that's the name that you're, that's going to be written upon you. The name that causes you to lose friends, lose work. Amen. The name that causes uh, people in this world to hate you. Because the Bible says, marvel not when the world hates you. For they hated me before they hated you. Amen. God's going to, you're going to go up and see him one day. He's going to say, you ever, you know, you ever seen a kid? What are the, what's the first thing they do when they get something? They write their name on it. This is mine. Especially if you've got two brothers getting the same toy. This one's mine. You know that one. Amen. You know what God's going to do when you come there? He says, come here. You're mine. You're my possession. You belong to me. Amen. The name of my God will be written upon you. Then it also says, and the name of the city of my God. Now that city, if you go to Revelation chapter 21, verse 1, it says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Can I tell you something about this verse? This 
is the key verse to the Bible. Do you understand? Genesis to Revelation, all God wanted was this. And that's a lot of history in between. He's walking in the garden with Adam. What happens? Sin. Now I can't walk with Adam in the garden. You know, all he's ever wanted to do is be with his people. So now there's a separation. We got a great vast universe between the first, the first heaven is a second heaven, the universe, and then we got the third heaven. Not one person has ever been there, and you will never be there until Jesus comes. We don't know what that's like. We can't get that far. That is way beyond. Folks, if you've ever seen the universe or had it described to you, you'd say, I cannot believe it's that big. As big as you think the universe is, is probably this much in relation to this room. There's no way you're getting there with an engine. Amen. There's no rocket that Elon Musk can make. As much as he thinks he can, he can't. That separation was there because of sin. You understand that's why the new Jerusalem is going to come down out of heaven at this particular time. Because God says, I'm going to deal with sin now. Finally. In fact, in Revelation 20, sin had just been dealt with. Isn't that what happened? Verse 14 and 20, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Immediately. Immediately. Soon as sin was dealt with. New heaven, new earth. Just like that. And what's happening? The tabernacle of God is now among men. Key verse of the Bible. In fact, that's exactly what God wanted. If you look throughout the scriptures, you'll see that theme woven right through every book of the Bible. Amen. He's going to write on you the name of his city. It's a very important city. We know what Jerusalem is down here. In fact, during the tribulation time, the Bible says that he'll call it that spiritual Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, yeah, I'm going to come down upon that city, that spiritual Sodom. That's no longer Jerusalem to him. (laughs) But you know what the Jerusalem means? The city of peace. Or dwelling in peace. That's what's going to happen with us. We're a pillar in the temple of God with no walls. Amen? No boundaries. Yet we're always with God. And he'll write his name upon us. He'll write city of peace. (laughs) You guys really, do you like peace in your life? Have you been at such a point sometimes where you're on your knees saying, God, if I don't get peace right now, I don't know what's going to happen. Have you been in such turmoil in your soul? Do you realize that when we get to glory, you will never feel that way again? You will never lack peace in your heart. (laughs) Amen. And then the Bible says that I'll write the name of the city of God, which is a new Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from God, and I will write upon him my new name. So what is that name? You know, I don't know what it is now, but we're going to find out. But in Revelation chapter 19, this is what it says in verse 11. It says, And I saw heaven opened, 
And behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. This name that was going to be written on us is a name that only Jesus knows at his second coming. There's not one person on the planet, nobody that exists that will know that name. And that day he will have that name written and we will see that name, it'll be written upon us. That's a name of victory. We'll have victory. Amen. Complete victory over our enemies. Complete victory over sin. Folks, that's our promise. If you're saved here today, all the things that I've mentioned, you'll have all of them. All of them. Isn't that great? (laughs) I mean, why don't we love Jesus? Oh, why don't we serve Jesus? Why are we not faithful to Jesus? Folks, if we truly believe this, I don't think there's a person in this room that wouldn't say, you know what, I want to serve Jesus with my life. Do we believe it? Do we believe it? Then let's give him our life. (laughs) I mean, by holding back is our statement. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. But in your heart, you know it's real. Make the decision. (laughs) Let him have your life. Consecrate it to him. Say, Lord, I don't know what that means, but you have me. If I'm going to be a pillar in your house, Lord, if I'm going to be in your presence all my days, if I'm going to have your name written upon me, and I already probably already do in your mind, amen, then you can have my life.